Tonight's scripture reading comes from John chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 20, and then verses 31 through 38. Hear the word of the Lord. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You called me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place. And when it does take place, that you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you, love for one another, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. The word of the Lord.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming, for carrying out what we see in this passage in real time, for being present even with us now. Holy Spirit, we pray that our eyes would be opened freshly. It's a Thursday night. There's a lot of things on our mind from the day. There's things that need to be done. Help us see these next few moments as sacred together for your glory. Amen. I feel the longer I've been a parent, I want to say the better I've become. I haven't taken any polls. I think when you become a grandparent, I'm told that's when you finally figure it out. It's too late. But one thing that happens when you're parenting, sometimes you think, okay, I now know what I want to say, but I'm going to wait. Like, I'm going to back off and process the best way to say it. Has any parent done this? Like, I'm going to do a different tactic. Rather than just blurting out the idea, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a better system, a better plan, a better way to tell the person, the child, so that it will really impact them, right? That's good parenting, possibly. What do you think, kids? Has it worked? Grayson gives me a thumbs up. Jesus does that. Jesus is parenting us well. Like Jesus has something he wants to tell his disciples. But he has a way to tell them that is amazing. And we're going to unpack this passage, this living parable this morning. But what he wants us to know, and what we're going to talk about this, this evening, is simply this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. My dad years ago told me this. He said, there's a difference between simple and easy. We get those confused. He said, for example, it's simple to stop smoking. Just don't do it ever again. But it's not easy. And so I want to say for us, this message is simple. Love people. Like, we could be done right now. Just go out and love one another well. But can we have an amen for the fact that it's not easy? It's difficult. So what we're going to see this morning, this evening, that's going to happen three or four times, although I've never preached this before. You can only love others to the extent that you've experienced the love Jesus has for you. Let me, te- let me tease out that theology. If you are a Christian, you have all of Jesus' love. You're justified. But often, as Christians, we aren't experiencing that. We're not aware of it. And because of that lack of awareness, we're not loving other people. That's what we're going to talk about from this passage. That Jesus wants us to love one another because of the love he has for us. Now, clearly, he didn't think that when this meal was over, they were at 100%. It's a process. We call it sanctification. So until he returns or we go home to be with the Lord, we all need to get better at loving one another. And it will happen to the degree we are aware that he loves us. Okay? That makes sense? So let's talk about this story. Jesus and his disciples are having their Passover meal. They're in an upper room, and there's a problem. Their feet are dirty. And in that culture, not only because of hygiene, but because of ceremonial laws, you needed to have your feet cleaned prior to this meal or at the point of the um, Passover meal. And so there's the jar of water, but there's nobody to do it. Now, if you can imagine that, that society... Like, there's not plumbing like we have today. There's not the services we have. And we discussed last week that there were maybe like anywhere from one to two million people in the city at this time for the week. So I assume it got really disgusting. You remember the calf fry? 
that comes up. Anytime you drive by that calf fry, I'm sure none of you have ever been to it, you see the refuge after the people have left. I, I just have this vision of the, of the disciples having bathed and gotten ready and gotten perfect, but they had to walk down the street to this place to go upstairs, and their feet are nasty, if that's okay to say in a sermon. So the usual method would be that they would hire, and I heard recently someone say that uh, it wasn't even lawful for your slave, your Jewish slave, to wash feet. So they would usually need to find a Gentile female slave to wash feet. Well, they were probably in, like, all had been taken at this point. Everybody's celebrating the Passover. So they didn't have anybody. So you can just feel the tension in the room. And of course, we know the story. It's Jesus, right? Jesus cleans their feet. Jesus stands up. He disrobes to his towel. He gets down and he begins to wash their feet. And he resumes his place. And, and every commentator would say it's a living parable of what Jesus does in the incarnation, right? We are hopeless. We are sinful. We can't wash our own bodies, our own feet, spiritually speaking. So Jesus comes from heaven. We learn in Philippians 2 and through all the scripture, right? He lives this perfect life. He dies for us. He cleanses us. He washes us, and he's returned to his home. So that's what's happening in this story. Now, there's a character, a person, he's not a character, he's a human named Simon Peter, someone we love, and we love him because he's so zealous, he's so outspoken, he's so godly, but he trips up so often that it gives us hope. And at the end of our passage, for example, Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but afterward you will follow me. And what does Peter do? Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And listen, I love Jesus' response. Will you lay down your life for me? Like, really, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. If Peter cannot make it through that night without denying Jesus, brothers and sisters in this room do not think I've heard this before. We would deny Jesus. Like, that is in you. Please believe that. Peter's a Christian. Don't let this moment pass. Recognize the fact that what we have left in us, sinfully speaking, is an ability to deny Jesus the very night of his crucifixion. So let's look at Peter closely. Let's look at his responses. Jesus comes to him to wash his feet. And what does he do? It says he's begun washing the disciples. He comes to Peter And Peter has these three interesting responses. The first one is just a question. Lord, do you wash my feet? And it doesn't sound harmful and it doesn't sound rude, but it is. It's a little rude because he's already washed other feet. So why would Peter not just go along with it? There's something in him that thinks I'm different. I'm more zealous. I'm not playing this game. And he starts to get agitated. So Jesus gives him a very simple answer. What I'm doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. How many of us have said, I would love to get a message from God? Like, I would love, you know, I'm in a difficult struggle, if he would just tell me what he wants. Jesus did. Like, Jesus said, Peter, relax. You don't understand it right now. But like, in 30 minutes, when I'm done with this, I'll tell you what I did. You'll get it. Well, Peter can't handle that. 
He gets agitated. You shall never wash my feet. I don't know why he was so adamantly against it, but there's something we have to just understand so shameful about the thought of Jesus doing this for Peter and Peter's view of his own spirituality, as we see at the end of our passage, I will follow you no matter what. Peter's self view, view of himself says, like, this is not who I am. I don't allow this kind of thing, and he just rejects it. What does Jesus say? If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Okay? So now the plot thickens. Peter realizes, oh, like, this is a big deal. Like, Jesus is, this, I need to allow Jesus to wash my feet. But he's not done yet. He gets a great idea. It's really beautiful. A lot of us try this. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. How many of you think that sounds really good? Like, he's going above and beyond. Right? But let's, Jesus basically, you've taken a bath, Peter. Like, I'm not impressed. Your hands are clean. I get it. Your head is properly quaffed and clean, and smells right. I get it. So if I go to that part and start washing that, I'm just wasting our time. Like, what, what do you think's happening here? I'm here to clean the part of you that is the most dirty. I'm going to kneel down and clean the part of you that's filthy. So when we often become uber-religious, lately we've been watching the Carbonero Effect, anybody? It's a great show. He's a magician. And what we do now is we watch it and we go, where is he like changing this thing with the person not seeing the magic trick? And what do magicians do? They misdirect. There's always the misdirection. Like you, you make the person look at the thing over here while you do the magic trick, right? That's what I think Peter's doing. He's misdirecting Jesus. If I can show Jesus my head and, and my hands and how I'm 95% clean, then when he sees the 5%, he'll let me go. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're 95% of the way there. But that's not how Jesus works. Jesus is like, you don't need a bath. You need me to wash your feet. There's a fourth response of Peter. Can you find it in the passage? We have Peter saying, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Number one. The second response is, you will never wash my feet. Number two. The third response is, okay, wash my head and my hands as well. What's the fourth response? It's a trick question. Don't look too hard. Abby has it. Silence. Silence. That's a lot for Peter. Like for Peter to be quiet is a lot. And I want you to imagine something we've probably rarely done when we've read this passage is what happens next. Jesus takes his foot takes a cloth and begins to rub the grossness off between the toes. Like Jesus is doing this to Peter. Can you feel the humility of having to let Jesus that close care for you, clean you, see you? How long would that go on before you're like, good, it's good enough, it's good enough, that looks good, move on. Looks like Stephen's feet are dirty. I don't know. What would you, how would you do that? Peter accepts it. Peter is washed. And what we see in this passage is Jesus returning to his seat and saying, this is what you will do to one another. 
So my simple question tonight for you is have you let Jesus come close to your heart lately to wash you where you're dirty? It's interesting when you meet people who are advocates for certain causes. And I'm not, I could name a couple, Parents Against Drunk Driving, a few, name a few. Almost always the reason is something happened to them, right? Rarely are they, well, I don't know, it just kind of looked like a good one. I, saw, I kind of saw this booth, I, I signed up, I got involved. Usually it's something happened to me, right? That's human nature. The only way you will respond in love to other people is if your feet have been cleaned, Right? Imagine Peter having let Jesus wash his feet. I'm still continuing with the parable, the metaphor. If he sees somebody else's feet dirty, he's not going to wince. He's not going to go, that's disgusting. I can't get near that. He can now move toward that because it's been done for him. You will not be able to love other people in their grossness if you're wincing. Are you wincing grossed out by the sin around you? Or are you so close to Jesus in your own sin and him coming to you as a Christian? You've already been washed, but in sanctification, we go back to Jesus over and over for the present application of the blood that as he's healing us and washing us and we're exposing our sin, we see it in others and we move toward them. And we say, I care for you. Let me walk with you. Let me share with you my struggles. That is what loving one another looks like. And that's what a community built on this love that Jesus is showing can look like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've heard this story, this chapter. We love it. But if we're honest, we are still on a daily basis fearful of exposing our filth to you. Lord, we're not proud of it, but we know there are places that you still want to wash us, though we, are all, though we are clean, though we are justified, though we are your children, though we are adopted. Teach us to be people who are quick to repent, quick to confess to, to you our darkness, our difficulties, our struggles, and teach us to love others and to not wince, to not duck, to not avoid, but to go toward the brokenness in our world for your glory. Amen.